And the more of those uh, customers that you have yes. in your database, that future proofs you. So when you go buy a car that's two days old, or you trade for one that you don't know is going to be a good car or not, but you know you got eight other people looking for an intermediate car around 20 grand and you just trade it for one yesterday, you get to call and email those eight people today, day one, instead of having to wait till the photos get done and you get more aggressive with your price, then you start getting leads, which could take 20, 30 days. Don't wait around for the up bus. Get in the driver's seat and take control of your operations. Are you ready to increase profitability, have better processes, and get proactive with your operations? Welcome to the Up Boss Podcast. Here's your hosts, Jason Harris and Jason Rice. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here along with Jason Rice, and this is the Up Bus Podcast. What's up, Jason? How you doing, man? I am doing awesome. Just waiting for the up bus to show up. Just waiting for the up bus. Yeah. Ready for this episode. Wait. You're not supposed to wait for it. You're supposed to, supposed to be proactive. Attack. <laughs> Wave it in. Well, you know what, though? I, it's, I, I, like I said, this is the, my favorite part of the week. I love doing these podcasts with you. And uh, it is. It's, you know, I actually, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about today. I was recently on a used car lot and uh, it kind of looked like they were all sitting around waiting for that up bus to show up. You know, I pulled up, there were like three guys outside on a smoke break. I don't know about you. I'm totally going off track here. I never let my staff smoke in front of the dealership. No. Right. No, definitely so? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely it's kind of like, a, like a one-on-one, like first impression kind of a scenario. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, when I was surprised when I literally pulled up, there's like three guys out there all, you know, having a puff. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong the car business i smoked i said it you know yeah. but i don't know i just first impressions right and and that is kind of what we're talking about today we're talking about you know what are those first impressions how can we you know craft out i let's just call it a, a better first impression and with the intent to kind of future proof you know our, our efforts because i think too often you know a lot of these podcasts which is great i love talking about like stuff that needs to be done like right this second. But, you know, I think in, I think any good used car department out there is playing for the long game, not the short game, you know, and it's that, that long consistent execution of sales, consistent retention of customers. I will say this, and maybe I want to throw a little rabbit curve. In, like how often do you think in used cars, do we talk about customer retention? Hmm. Yeah, not much. Right. Like, Half time you don't want them back, right? Because they're like got jammed into something. True. I wonder if I've ever, <laughs> have you ever been that customer. You don't. Maybe I've been that customer once before. Uh, the one that the, the afterwards you're like, oh god, please don't come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm a good customer. I'm sure you are too, right, Jason? Yes, I am. <laughs> I'll be loyal to somebody loyal to me, right? Okay, so let's get into this, right? Because our first our first topic today is about future proofing our used car department. And I know I brought up the word retention, but to me, when I hear the word future proofing, that's kind of like the first thing that I think of. Um, and it's just not something that we commonly talk about in this department. When you hear future proofing your used car department, where's your brain go immediately? Well, it's just inventory management. I, I've probably mentioned it before, but I talk about managing in twos. And um, what I mean by that is for inventory to future proof your your investment dollars mm -hmm. is, and what I mean by managing in twos, I'd want 
a two month policy, meaning a 60 day policy on my inventory. And then managing in twos also would be look at your last two weeks sale rate times it by two in multiple areas, meaning your inventory as a whole. So if you have a hundred in stock and the last two weeks, you sold 35 units times that by two for a full month that puts you on pace to sell 70 in a month with a hundred in stock. And I like looking at the last two weeks because it's going to be more relevant to your current sale rate than looking at a rolling 30 days. So if you can manage in twos, two months, get it gone. Um, and two weeks, uh, times two. And what I mean by multiple areas is look at it by particular age buckets. Uh, my 31 to 45, I've got, uh, 20 units in the last two weeks. I sold eight times two would put me on pace to time and sell 16 out of a bucket that has 20. I'm not selling enough or I have 30 large pickup trucks in stock. I'm on pace. You know, the last two weeks I sold seven. That puts me on pace to sell 14. I'm 16 units heavy in large pickup trucks. So, if, and then there's a large pickup truck in that 31 to 45 bucket that I'm already in, 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 in trouble with. So that to me would future proof when you have a clean inventory like that, that allows you what I call funny money or monopoly money. Uh, and what I mean by that is I had some dealers reaching out to me going, okay, what should I do? We've got, um, you know, there's this pending strike or there's, this could be coming around the corner. I think wholesale values should go up. Should I go overstock and, um, and get ready for this? And I told them, you know, if you're nice and clean, you get to have some funny money, try it out, carry another 10, 15, 20% of inventory just in case. So you have this pad, um, but if you're if you're not you're if you have a bunch of aged cars you're bleeding through and your volume's down and you're not really attacking in any particular way you don't get to have that freedom you don't get to have that funny money and go out and and, and have it have fun so lean and clean gives you the ability to be able to buy and sell in current market values so values go up you're buying if it goes down you're able to buy you know or if you're up you're selling and going down you're able to buy and so i think as as the market keeps dropping and you can be that buyer in that market then you get to buy that car $1,500 cheaper uh, than what the guy did two months ago. Now that means you get the price years $1,500 cheaper than he is, and he's losing money, you know, or breaking even at that point in time. So managing twos, in my eyes, to future proof your used car department. I, I love the managing twos. In fact, I was thinking about that. I'm like, maybe that's how we should manage some of our employees. Uh <laughs> <laughs> well you can't for the two week volume what you sell in the last week because that's the other problem you talk right? about because we're short sort short-sighted well why well because yes. we talk about mid-month end of the month hey if you hit this bonus today or tomorrow or this week or hey at the end of the month how many did you finish with and it's just it's a constant short game um pay plans it's a short game yes. analogies a short game conversations it's uh, you know i got a hat trick today you know those type of things are just embedded in how we run our business well and i think that that short-mindedness um doesn't help for the future proofing by the means by any means at all now one thing i did want to go back because i love the lean and mean right and uh, you know just something i wanted to identify for the listeners out there the people that are watching you know uh there is a customer experience advantage when you're running lean and mean um because that means that you're 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 you have the right vehicles on there you know uh too often do i you know have i kind of uh, and this weekend was a great example i showed up to a lot these guys had a lot of cars a lot of wildly different cars, right? You know, so, you know, here I am, I'm going in for an SUV, three rows, two to three years old, you know, reasonable mileage, but I could be swayed to go a little higher mileage because we just don't drive that much as we used to, right? right? And 
there was like two, you know, uh, that were kind of similar in range and pricing. And then there were, you know, two that were kind of over here in that pricing. And there was two way up there in that pricing. And it was just like, you know, I, I think when I think of lean and mean, I think of consistency in the inventory. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah. You like know? I said, that, 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 manage trucks and you're too yeah. accelerate. And then if you're selling a lot of trucks, carry the, you know, fill it up. If they're slowing down, slow it down because I mean, it could be slowing down because compact SUVs are increasing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but again, in order to fill that void of compact SUVs as they're selling, you're going to have to get off these trucks because you know where your heavier light in again, yes. as that inventory flows. Could break it down by year, 2020s versus 18s versus 2022s. You can break it down by uh, dollar amounts. My fifty to fifty-five thousand dollar cars are sitting, but my forty-five to fifties are moving good, so I need to fill that void. Um, and so again, that could have covered what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. No, 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 for sure. I mean, in fact, actually, we ended up going to, and I hate to admit it, but we went to a CarMax. All right, and but look, they had sixteen SUVs. Um, they knew something. <laughs> okay, yeah. they, they knew their market. All right. They knew the price point. They, and the funny thing is how insanely close all 16 of these were in mileage. I bet you they were all within about five to 6,000 miles of each other, you know, and similar featured. I mean, look, so there wasn't one that I could look at. Dude, there were 15 others I could possibly. I mean, talk about how that fundamentally changed my customer, my, my, my experience that day, even though the salesperson wasn't. Anyways, that's another podcast. Well, here, the question is, did you find a car online and went in to see that car and then end up on It was one. Exactly. So it was one car, didn't even know they had 15 others that were very similar to it, right? But boy, did that enhance my experience when I went there, all right? And they clearly knew their market. They knew what needed to be and cleanly organized. All 16 of them are literally right by side by each other, not one on the other side of the lot versus the other. You know, they're all lined up. I'm pretty sure they were actually lined up in sequential order based on age because it did kind of feel that they were significantly pushing one versus kind of the other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the whole set's probably sitting if you're looking at those kind of SUVs with that kind of price range because interest rates and gas prices, there's not too many customers right now looking for something like that. That's true, right? Because I don't drive a lot, so I'm okay with having the big V8. Um, you know, it's at, it, it's at a price point that to your point, you know, uh, it's – you know, I'm okay because I'm paying cash for it. I'm not financing this one. So I don't really, you know, that delta between what's new and used isn't so much of a concern for me as much as it is the vehicle itself. But yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, that proactiveness in our, the way that we approach our inventory fundamentally affects that the user experience. Um, and I think that's something that we actually have to take time um, as, as a used car manager or used car director to decide kind of, you know, what is that future? I mean, to your point, things are changing. You know, I think we talked about this. Maybe we talked about this once before. There's a seasonality to things, right? Um, and if we're not exploring, you know, not just the current 60-day data, but also the previous year. So let's... let well, let's, well, here, let me, think before I forget that on future yeah. proofing too, you made me think about, because we're talking, made me start thinking about switch leads, you know, because yeah. you want yeah. in on one car, you're getting switched to another. We do that on our physical lot. You need to do that with your virtual lot or your overall lot. I mean, what I mean virtual lot is your your leads. So when a customer comes in on a, or submits a lead on a particular vehicle or they open to others and, or if they're on a car that eventually sells, do you just turn that lead over and or turn it to lost? Or do you actually start offering alternate vehicles? Cause as seasonality, what we're getting ready to talk about as the season shift and leads are going down, don't 
to future proof your dealership. Don't give up on these leads. Keep them active. You already know their name, phone number, contact information, possibly uh, their uh, segment. You know, large pickup truck, price point, 40 grand. Go find other vehicles to entice that customer. And the more of those uh, customers that you have yes. in your database, that future proof you. So when you go buy a car that's two days old, or you trade for one that you don't know is going to be a good car or not, but you know you got eight other people looking for an intermediate car around 20 grand, and you just trade it for one yesterday, you get to call and email those eight people today, day one, instead of having to wait till the photos get done and you get more aggressive with your price, mm -hmm. then you start getting leads, which could take 20, 30 days. So to me, future proofing would be I, I don't know here, I would want to be on two or the three major ones. I say major ones. There's others that are good out there. I say that maybe there's four, but AutoTrader, Cars.com, CarGurus, Carfax is doing pretty good. Oh, True Cars is a good lead provider type scenario. I'd at least be on a couple of those of along with your SEO, SEM stuff because I, I, I want to capture as many people in the market because they're not submitting a lead if they're not in the market. Now, can they That's buy or not? Who knows? But um, that way, when I do get a car, I got 10 switch opportunities instead of one or two. And I only got one or two because my team moved eight of them to loss because they followed up for 20 days and gave up. Or they're on a 30-day lead that was on a car that sold, so they gave up and they just moved these to lost. And now your database is gone to be able to help you move, future-proof that inventory. Again, as you go into seasonals, that change and slow down. Well, look, and I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up the communication strategy. Um, so this is funny. You want to know how this whole... I guess putting me back in the end market started was, you know, a little over a year ago, I was shopping for like a Yukon XL. Mm -hmm. right? About a year and a few months ago, they were stupid expensive. And I mean, stupid, right? Like, I now mean, they're 10 grand cheaper. <laughs> 100%. So I remember inquiring about one. I'm not literally, either it was a year or maybe a year and a couple months. It has definitely been some time. And I don't know which CRM this dealership is using. In fact, I am going to go do a little more digging because I'm super curious. I got an automated email from this dealership about a new vehicle that showed up on their lot that was similar to one that I inquired about almost a year ago. Hmm. And I was like, what? And I was thinking, no, I couldn't be the salesperson, is it? And it wasn't. It was, but it was something that they're like, hey, we, you know, you requested about this Yukon XL, blah, 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 Denali. But we just got another one in, you know, it was like this. And it was almost a year different. That's actually what spawned the whole, I should maybe start taking a look again. Because I wonder if they're a client. No. <laughs> maybe <laughs> they are. Because, you know, what it did is it showed me, to your point, Jason, the price drop. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe it is time to go back and get into shopping for one again. Because the price was $12,000 cheaper than what I looked at a year ago. And that's what started the whole process all over again. Um, but so the, but my question is, is, how far back would you go? I mean, a year felt crazy, but I, it worked for me. No. Well, for leads, are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I would, I, I would never kill a customer off until they, well, we always, I always said, until they buy, die, or unsubscribe. Right. So not, but here's the thing, not even if they bought. Uh, now, you know, there's another scenario I was thinking about was work the driveway, not the lead. Mm -hmm. Meaning even if they bought, um, they might be doing something six months from now. I, I gave an example before where in, in a 12 month period, I'm involved in four car purchases. I co-signed for my oldest son, who's not in my driveway, but I, I'm in that household co-signing for him. Um, I had to get my wife a car, which we yep. did. My daughter's lease is up. And so I either need to buy that lease 
or buy her something else. And then my 16 year old is up. So I'm either going to buy my older daughter's lease and give it to my 16 year old and buy my 21 year old another car or one way or the other I'm involved. So if you just sell me my car and mark me sold and don't follow up with me again, back to use car follow up, mm-hmm. um, you know, and ask, Hey, how you liking the car? Is there any other future car purchases you're looking to do in the next couple months? You know, that's how you should be working those leads. So I, until the customer is just totally dead or PO to, you know, pissed off at me and don't want me to, you know, get off my front porch type of scenario. Um, I think you just kind of touch base here and there with them. Like I said, even if it's a year later. No, you know what? And I actually do remember, you know, back when I had my dealership, we actually did have uh, like a used car newsletter type format because the CRMs were really built for this at that point in time. So, you know, we'd send out this kind of monthly newsletter of like new arrivals. Um, And I remember, uh, and prices were fluctuating, right? And I remember selling this like RVR to a customer. She didn't really ever drive it too much. You know, and she had received this newsletter for almost two years. All right. And then called me one day. She goes, hey, I just saw in your used car newsletter. I'm like, I didn't even know you were on that. But okay. Um, You know, like that you just are, you're you're selling a car that's like the one I bought. You know, I'm just curious, like how much would you take my vehicle in on trade? I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about this. You know, so one of the benefits of just kind of, you know, maintaining, you know, some type, because... I, I'm on a lot of different newsletters, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean I read or even click on any of them. But on occasion, you know, and I'm thinking the one that I get the most of is Academy Sports. Um, like I get Academy Sports and I'm not always in market for a new kayak. I'm not always in market for a new bike or something like that. But I'll tell you, I probably wouldn't buy it anywhere else uh, yeah. Yeah. because they, they maintain kind of this, you know, here's a once a month, here's what our deals are. You know, and uh, I never know when I'm back in market for something. To your point, Jason, you never know when they're back in market for a vehicle or if their friends are in market, families in market. I don't know about you, but I love helping others shop. (laughs) Yeah. I love helping people shop. Like, I'm looking for this. I I know a guy, you know. Anyways, I digress. (laughs) You're the guy that knows the guy. I know the guy that knows the guy. Okay. So, all right. I'm going to... That was a great rabbit hole, but I'm going to segue over into another topic because we got talking about this a little bit before we started recording today. Uh, this weekend, I watched the movie, and I don't know why, because maybe I was out um, you know, at used car lots, and I thought it'd be funny to watch used cars with Kurt Russell. Yeah. Hands down, one of the best automotive movies of all time, in the sense of we get to laugh at ourselves about some of the silly things we may, may or may not have done. Or heard about somebody else doing, you know. Uh, but man, that iconic plaid <laughs> jacket—the yeah. you know the the rolling back of the odometer and everything like that—and uh, it's funny as I was watching this movie and I was realizing because my wife was you know asked she actually asked me she goes are there still dealerships like this and I I wanted to say no. <laughs> um, I, to say no. I did, but. There are, you know, they stuff strippers on the hoods, but yeah, I mean, probably not. Um, (laughs) Probably not. It's, it's, they're a little more woke now. Um, But, but I will say that, you know, this, this reputation or this stigma and what I want to do is I want to pick your brain. Um, A, do you believe that stigma still exists? A, and then B, how do you think there are some good ways that we can combat that stigma slash reputation? I think the 
the stigmas, hopefully it, it's, it's not so much, I don't know if it's the stigma as much as it's the timing and the, the, the obstacles you make customers go through, you know, I, I, they, they got enough customers have enough information to find out if it's a good deal or not and be comfortable with it. I think we're more nowadays they're getting frustrated with is why is this taking so long? Why am I sitting here for two mm-hmm. hours waiting to get into finance? Why is it taking 45 minutes to see what my car is worth? You know, why do I got to come into your dealership before you can tell me what my pain it's like, that's, that's the crap that I think they're fed up with it. The stigma, I think they deal with it as far as, they can find out if it's a good deal. They know they can buy it and they just want to, you know, buy it and be done with it. But we make it hard for them um, yes. more times awesome. than not. So I think the stigma of the used car persona um, guy or the, you know, the, the, the stuff that we put them through is, I think, the bigger things than it is the Weinstein and Now that not that that don't happen anymore, but between car faxes and information that you can get on a vehicle, I think customer going in feels confident what they're doing, what they're buying. It's just a matter how easy you can make it for them. So that goes into, you know, I think your reputation and, and retention both. I mean, if you, if you can take this technology that's available for you, allow customers to do as much as they can before they come into the dealership and make their visit quick, fast, and easy and fun, um, then you're going to win, you know? And that keeps your retention. That keeps people referring to you. That gets your, I mean, think about that too, as a salesperson. I mean, mm-hmm. if I can, if I can get the same commission doing half the work, cause they've already spoon feed all the information to the customer. Here's a credit app to fill out. Give me your information on your trade. And all these forms are coming in and all I got to do is bone it all up and go here based on the information you gave me and with the interest rate of 6.9, your payment's going to be 432 for 60 months. If you put another grand down, it could be at this. Um, you know, are you, you know, and have all that stuff done prior to they come in. All I got to do is go over the vehicle for 45 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour, whatever the car takes to get over, you know, I think it's cus- that's employee retention because their job's done easier now and they're getting the same commission, um, sales, uh, the, the customer's happy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you've got that going on in the busyness of your dealership and everybody's there making deals and, and buying cars and delivering and coming in and out of your store, it just makes your a reputation in, in the market good. Well, I, I think to your point, um, you know, combating that reputation or that perceived, right? It, it's their perception. That's all it is, right? And maybe they watched, you know, the Kurt Russell movie too many times or something like that. Or they heard of a friend, you know, buying yeah, a car from a, yeah. from a Kurt Russell type character. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, and I love what you're saying here because I think we've kind of done this on the new car side, but we really haven't kind of fundamentally done this on the used car side of really, you know, mapping out what the process is prior to then coming into the dealership, right? You know, the one thing that COVID did was brought, was bring in digital retailing, which in a sense kind of did map out a process where the customer was kind of in control of this. And, and I do know some dealerships are kind of using that for used cars, but it's still, you know, I don't think there's, we've been very clear about like, Hey, this is our process. You know um, I know there's some big used car dealerships out there that have gone to a one price model in of trying. And I, that's actually where I'm going to go with my next question. Cause I want to get your thoughts on the whole one price model. Um, you know, cause that was kind of their attempt to kind of combat this perception of saying, no, 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 you don't need to negotiate with me. I'm not going to negotiate with you. We're going to be a one price store. Do you think that helps? And what are your thoughts on one price store? Um, 
I, I mean, there's so there's obstacles around it. Obviously, you got to get the whole team buy in. You got to get the market to buy in, the customers to understand that you're not bluffing. Um, but there's also different ways that dealers do it. I was going to say different ways to do it, but I would say different ways the dealers to do it. Um, what I mean by that is some dealers are one price across the board. And what I mean by that is they don't negotiate even the trade or nothing. They're just down to the penny. Here it is. Here it is. And the customer walks around. Mm -hmm. There are some dealers that are one price on their cars, but will wiggle on a trade, you know, so is that really one price? Um, but if that's a model that you're more comfortable, I'd rather you do that than probably not do the one price. Um, so, you know, I think because here's the other problem, it, it, it all stems back to uh, employee retention and stuff. All stems back yes. to pay, the pay plans. Okay. So if I, my people are paid on gross and I got cars that I'm, I can't make money in because they got older, the market shift. Imagine having a Tesla that, you know, Elon just dropped 15 grand off and now you're 10 grand upside down in it. Your salespeople have no interest at all selling that car because they're not going to make any money on it. Nope. So that goes back to pay plan. But if you're on a, so if you're in a negotiating dealership that is paid off of commissions, now you can negotiate and then pay off of units and not commissions. So I think it's all pay plan structure, but even at one price, I think is good, but it takes a lot of time, a, a long time in the market to effectively do it. Uh, one good example, like Ralph Shomp, I worked with them 20 plus years ago, uh, probably, you know, at least, uh, 2006 so 18 years ago 19 years ago and they've been one when i was with them back in the day you know they're one price for 15 20 years so they got known in the market they're one price yes. so if i was a dealer in his market it'd probably be pretty easy to start doing one price myself because their customers are aware of it in the market if you're the first dealer in the market doing that it becomes a struggle becomes a struggle for your sales staff um so it, it's a hard you'll have to stick to it it's a long work through that grind, but it go again back into market awareness and how easy are you making it for people to buy? I mean, that's the whole point of making it one price is to make it the transaction easy. Hey, it's easy. It's 20 grand. No negotiation. Okay. okay. But if it takes two hours to get in your F&I department, did you really, what's the point of, you know, we might as well negotiate it for an hour or two too. <laughs> no, that is so true, right? Like, are you really one price in the sense that you're doing that as a marketing message or a branding message or are you one price in the sense that this is a operational commitment all yeah. right to be in one price and you know yes i may have to your point i love i love it, i love it i come in on one price but then i'm going to stick you in a box for two and a half hours yeah and uh, beat you up and try to upsell you on the you know <laughs> negotiate on the the back end it's a three grand warranty it's no no thanks well what if i can get it to 25 Okay. Gosh, you know, I'm seeing crazy stuff out there. I mean, and I'm sure you probably see this too. You see like, you know, this is the price, but it doesn't include safety, this, 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 and this warranty. You know, I've seen that model. And I actually saw, because now I'm shopping, it's funny. I actually, I, I actually took a picture of it. I'm going to post it on LinkedIn here pretty soon. Is a dealership's advertisement where they legitimately said, we do not discuss pricing over the phone. You must come into the dealership. I was like, wow, now that's bold. Um, so like that's working great for Carvana, right? Yeah. Wow. I'm like, that must be working amazing. Oh, wait, they don't do stuff like that. Oh, of course not. Um, but I think I want to go back to uh something you had 
you had mentioned because I think it's so important is to talk about pay, pay structures, right? And, you know, this is a perfect segue into kind of what our next one, which is around staff, staff retention of best practices. Now, now, why is that important to kind of what we've discussed to this point? Because look, you know, you said the people are that first impression. We started off kind of saying like my first impression of the dealership I went to uh, this weekend was three guys outside smoking cigarettes. And here I was with my three kids and my wife. I'm going to get out of the car and a cloud of smoke is going to just come inside. So I had to go park on the other side of them. Right. <laughs> um, but, but pay structures, I think when we're trying to future proof our business, all right, when we're trying to maintain reputation to your point, pay structures can get in there and just mess it all up. Oh, yeah. um, and how do we avoid that? I guess that's, I'd love to get your thoughts. How do we avoid pay? Like, messing up all of our future proofing efforts, messing up all of our, our, our reputation efforts, but then we get to a pay structure that literally just puts a grenade in the middle. Of yeah. I mean, that's, that's the other tough part. It all depends on the department you're building out in that pay structure and how you want them. But, you know, I think some of the best ones I've seen, and I think again, um, here, the salespeople have no control of gross. I totally agree. Can so we say why do we pay commission on gross, right? Should just be on units. And so I think, you know, the best way to structure is some kind of flat with a unit and then unit bonuses. But also dealerships are really focusing on private party acquisition, trying to get their team to buy in. We do a, a yes. lot pop a used car 20 group and you know, some dealers are paying 250 or actually it was like 100, 150 at first. And some guy's paying 250 if somebody at the dealerships helps buy a car, right? Send me the car and if we buy it, I'll give you 250. There's some aggressive dealers, which I agree with, would be more of the 500 range. I say that because you'll spend 600 in fees and transportation easily oh, when easy. you buy the car at the auction. So you're going to pay, you know, depending on where you transport it from and if you got a truckload or not, but it's going to cost you 600 to a grand with fees and transportation. So to pay somebody 500, but also they're doing it on a, as a mini, but also they use those units as unit bonuses on sales. So if there's a 20 unit bonus um, and I sold 10, but I also help you buy 10, that should count as 20 and hit me that 20 unit bonus. So um, I think that's the stuff like that helps you one, I think stand out in the market to hire customers, you know, salespeople to retention, you know, they're going to hear the grass is greener at the other dealership. We all know it's not once you get there, but um, you know, that's how you lose team members. Cause they're like, man, I'm done with this. I can't make money here. We're buried in all our cars. Um, you know, the guy prices, the cars too high, what have you. Um, but even at that, I mean, if your used car manager prices cars too high, you're not only selling a few here and there, but you can go help buy seven, then you might hit your 10 unit bonus and still be okay. You know, so I think, you know, unit bonuses, but also flats. And um, that way they avoid walking around that age car that, you know, you, it's a, a $150 mini. If they're going to get paid three or 500 one way or the other. They don't care if it's a two day old car or a 10 day old car or a hundred day old car, then, um, I think you get more buy-in and a team to help you move that inventory the right way. Oh, no, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, in fact, that's actually how I kind of had similar structure in mind. I paid my, I paid my team a salary. Um, I think I was probably pretty early in my market to pay my sales team a salary, right? Um, but my concern was, is I had purchased a dealership that had a bad reputation. 
I knew that getting into it, right? I knew the previous owner just did a bunch of stuff that really probably shouldn't have been done. And I knew one of the reasons I was buying this dealership on the cheap side was because of the bad reputation, right? So I knew to kind of combat that, that I needed to have a very documented process of what the customer experience was going to be, you know? Yeah. And, and that did require, let's face it, more work. It really was. It was, it was, it was more work. It was, you know, it was doing it more for the customer, less necessary for myself. And I realized to get buy-in, right? Or not only buy-in, but also to maintain a level of expectation, meaning that, all right, I'm paying you a salary to execute this, 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 and this, right? And that is what in there is the expectation. And to your point, I did volume because not gross. I still, you know, look, I think anybody out there watching, listening right now, we might get some people that are going to argue about this. I, we don't, I don't think the salespeople control gross management can control gross. Um, and they can do it in many different ways. The way that they manage the inventory, right? What their 60 day strategy is, all right? To weigh their the how the recon they did in it marketing yeah and that, that is manage 100 percent pack that's a management thing but as a salespeople, a salesperson you know i think we can control one thing and i think the one thing we can control is that is that experience that customer yeah. experience and i think that's where the reward needs to be so i'm 100 percent with you flats uh volume bonuses we do flats with one price or flats with um if you're a negotiable dealer you would do still do flats but it's a higher higher number if you stick to the sale price and then you whack them for each, you know, hundred hundred dollar they take off of the sale price or something. Um, that way, again, you kind of control, um, or at least get them to, you know, have some sales skills on showing the value of the price and why it is priced the way it is and avoid uh, trying not to negotiate. Well, look, and, and look, it this is, I know we're towards the tail end of our time today, and we really appreciate you all out there watching and listening. Thank you so much for taking the time. You know, you know what we're talking about here, um, it, it, again, it goes back to what the up bus is for us, and that is being proactive, not being reactive, right? If you're going to future-proof your business, you need to be proactive in your efforts. A well-documented 60-day strategy. All right, the two the two weeks and making plans on how what's going to happen with your inventory and how it's going to be played out. You know, inventory is a big part of that. How you are perceived from a reputation perspective inside your community uh, plays a big part of how that that the future proofing up your business. And then, of course, your staff. Your staff is your first impression. Your first impression is everything. You know, um, don't let these things just happen on their own. Right? You know, it's a, don't wait for the up bus. Take control. All right, and drive it yourself. And you know, future-proofing your business is going to be about you guys taking leadership, taking that wheel, and steering the bus in the direction it needs to go. Um, hey, for everybody out there watching and listening, if you would like to, you know, listen or watch to more great content like what you've just seen or heard, uh, you need to visit theupbus.com. We're posting all kinds of cool stuff there on a very regular basis. Um, Jason, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me again. You know, this is my favorite part of my week. <laughs> it's always great. You have yourself an amazing day. Talk to you later. Thanks for tuning in to the Up Bus Podcast with your hosts, Jason Harris and Jason Rice. To stay up to date with all our content, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.